Good to see you here this morning. Uh, this is a good day. It's a beautiful day, for one thing. Um, sun's out, and uh, that's fun. But we also are celebrating two uh, brief dramas, we'll say, today that God, uh, Jesus, asked us to do to remember him. One is baptism. Right after this service, we're going to celebrate baptism with, with those who are saying, um, I've decided to follow Christ and I'm going to allow the Bible to be my guide. It's a lot of, it's a lot of trouble, really, that we go to, uh, especially in a portable church setting that set up the baptismal and do all that and put it together. We, we go to the trouble because Jesus asked us to do it. And that, that's, that's what it means to follow God. When he asks you to do something, you are careful to do exactly what he's asked. That's what scripture says. And then you go to the trouble to do it. It adds a little complexity to life, but boy, on the other side of obedience, it's really good. And so we're celebrating baptism. It's a reminder. I saw some of the kids, two of them happened to be my grandsons. They were looking in the baptismal. They thought it was neat. It's a visual reminder to all of us what God has done in Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. It reminds us, it spurs us on to, to obedience. That's, that's the intent. And so that's why we do it. That's, that's what it's all about. Tonight at 6, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. Another brief ceremony, brief drama, where we're reminded of particularly Jesus' death uh, to pay for our sins. And it's a time when we think through uh, our relationship with God to consider whether or not there's anything between ourselves and God that we need to clear up with Him. It's also a time when we think through our relationships with others. And if there's anything that needs to be cleared up in our relationship with others, then we go and we ask for forgiveness. Or if we've been offended and we're holding a grudge, uh, Scripture says if you're the one that notices something's wrong first in the relationship, whether you've offended or you've been offended, you take the initiative to get it straightened out. So at the Lord's Supper, uh, we worship, we sing praise songs. And we take the time to consider our own relationship with the Lord and our own relationship with others and take the initiative to get it cleared up. So we're celebrating those two things. Happens to line up on the same day. That doesn't happen very often. And so I just wanted to mention uh, those things are going on. And if you're planning to attend the supper, take the time. To consider your relationship with God, where you're at with Him, and where you're at with others, and, and take the initiative to get things cleared up uh, with Him and with those around you. Uh, in this series, uh, we call it the Bible and a Bridge because we don't want to be editing the Bible. That's, that's what the thrust of the title is. Uh, but we've been looking at the Bible itself. Usually we look at a passage of Scripture and we try to figure out what God's saying to us through it and how to apply it. But our goal in this series is uh, to grow in our appreciation of the Bible itself, uh, to get some handles on understanding it better, and then to be encouraged to apply it for ourselves, to get into it, to read it, to figure out how to soak it in, and then to apply it to our own lives. So up till this 
Sunday, we've looked at how God's revealed himself through the world, uh, through the word of God, the Bible. Uh, these are his words about how to live life. He, we wouldn't know anything about God if he wouldn't have revealed himself to us. And last week, we talked about how the Bible gives clarity to life and how to get clarity. Uh, we looked at how it's put together and some things to understand that help us get a better grasp on the Bible itself. Today, we're looking at how the Bible is written by the expert, God himself, who wants to guide our lives through the word. Uh, when we're trying to solve a problem or learning how to do something, we look for an expert, somebody who knows how to do this. If we have a question about parenting, for example, there are many places we can go for advice. Experts abound on parenting. Um, and you may have a list of people you go to, uh, maybe your, your own parents, uh, maybe friends, TV uh, experts that show up their books. There, there's a lot of places. Um, but where you go for advice really matters. For instance, um, would you want to go get some parenting advice from this guy in this video clip? What's with the kid wearing a cummerbund? I let him wear whatever he wants to wear. Those boots are the best. Who's are they? I know, right? I think they're Kevin. I'll have a hot dog with a mustard and a knish. Frankenstein, what do you want? 30 packets of ketchup. All right. 30 packets 30 of ketchup. Packets. 30 Ow. Nice cut, pal. This is like a whole new school of child raising I'm doing. You give the kid options instead of orders. You know, let him make the right decision. You're a pioneer. <laughs> He's a pioneer, but he will not find out how that goes for a long time. Options instead of orders. <laughs> I think that's been tried, actually. Uh, would you, would you want to get dancing advice from this guy? You're looking for some advice. That's what it's all about right there. Let's see how it gets bigger. I'm going to start the fire. But the feet are going. I start the fire. I make the peace. Hits are always going. In the club with my homies. Trying to get them to the VI. The man. Down on the low key. The cute that's, that's the school of dancing I went to. How about home repair advice? Would you want to check in with this guy for that? We're talking about an expert today. Uh, expert, when used as an adjective, means... Um, Having or involving authoritative knowledge. That's what it means to be an expert. Dancing advice, not too crucial. Unless you're trying to impress somebody, I guess, then it's sort of crucial. Uh, but not that crucial. Home repair advice is going to cost you. You really want somebody who knows what they're doing because if, like myself, you try it on your own, which I have a few times, I've cost myself more money than it would have cost to pay somebody 
who is an expert, to get it done. So that's, that's a little more important. Now, parenting advice, something like parenting advice. Your approach will have a lifelong impact on you, your children, and uh, the way the, your, much of your life goes. So this is very important. When you determine your approach to parenting, you're making a 20-year decision, maybe actually longer making a lifelong decision. You will find out in 20 years or so how right you were about your approach. So you're making a very important, very impactful decision. In these arenas, it's crucial to go to somebody with true authoritative knowledge who will give you advice that's tested and proven. In the normal series uh, that we did a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about how important it is to allow God to define what's normal, and we describe that as what's morally acceptable. Uh, that definition, the definitions of uh, what's morally acceptable in our culture is shifting. It's changing rapidly, moving away from the Bible's definition. Um, acceptable lifestyles in our culture are also changing. God's definition doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He, he has already laid out what he thinks is right and wrong in the Scripture. In the normal series, we found out that as we veer off from his definition of what's morally acceptable, that we pay a price ourselves, ourselves, our, our children, and also our culture. Um, we bring damage to ourselves and to our families as we shift away from God's definition. Choosing a lifestyle that um, sets us on a path will not necessarily show the wear and tear right away. It, it, we, we, it may be decades before we actually experience that. Look at people in their 50s and beyond, and you begin to see the impact of a lifestyle on, on them, their lifestyle choices, begins to show up. God's commands in the Bible, and this relates to what we're talking about today, they provide a fence that gives the boundaries of the lifestyle that God blesses, that He directs. If you love God and His ways, in other words, if you live inside the fence that he's put up, he gives us the choice. It's a fence, not a wall. You, you can, you know, a wall you can't really bust through, but a fence you could tear apart and maybe sneak through. God puts up a fence. He gives us the choice whether or not we live inside the fence, but life goes very well if we're inside those boundaries. Really well. If you break through the fence... And turn away from God by living outside of it, life goes poorly and you end up hurting yourself. So God is the expert on how to live life. The Bible itself has the authority of the creator of the universe behind it. It has the power to really help us because its guidance always lines up with God and his design for our lives. So it's very important to dig into it and understand it. And we also have talked about how, as followers of Christ, we, we don't 
evaluate the Bible. We don't judge the Bible like a movie critic judges a movie. You know, well, you know that was a good story. I give it, you know, a C plus, must go, or whatever we choose for our rating uh, system for movies. We, we don't do that with the Bible. We need to come to the point, if you're determining, if you're deciding what it means to follow Christ and you're investigating Christianity, what you need to do for, for sure is determine whether or not you can trust the Scriptures, the Bible. Because as you, as you follow Christ, those two things are connected. Following Christ, doing what the Bible says. You have to have complete confidence in the Word of God to follow Him. And so investigate it. There's some good questions you can ask. The Bible will stand up to any test. And I believe you'll find that it's extremely credible and trustworthy. But that's, that's important. As you come to follow Christ, you put yourself under the Scriptures and you let the Bible judge you. You don't judge it. You don't edit the Bible. Um, since God has put the Bible together to guide us, God's Word is the way we discover God's guidance. Primary source of guidance that God's given us. Here, here's how. Knowing the Bible is important because it reveals God's character and His priorities. What's important to Him. When you get to know someone well enough, you, ever, you, know, you, you probably have known, you've had a good friend where you could complete their senses. You know what they're thinking. There's that smile where, yeah, I get, I, yeah, I get that. Uh, this is how it helps to get into the Bible. We get to know God through it. Now, we don't get to the point where we can complete his senses and we don't pretend to speak for him ever. But we get to know him so that as we handle life, then we're able to uh, better know what he would want in a given circumstance, in a given situation. We better understand who God is and what's important to him so that we have a compass to guide us as we face these choices. So, it's important to soak up the Bible, not just read it and sort of put it away and forget about it, but soak it in. Allow it to impact the way you think and, and the way you talk and the way you act. That's, that's the perspective we see in Scripture. The, the Bible clearly explains how we search for God's guidance. And we do that, first of all, by humbly seeking God and allowing Him to lead us. Uh, we're going to look at a passage in Isaiah to begin with today. Isaiah 55, 6-11. Uh, through 11. And in this passage, uh, God through the prophet Isaiah, who was a prophet who spoke to the nation of Israel, He gives us some perspective on how to get God's guidance, what it takes. Here it is. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's God. He's gracious. He forgives. The picture here is that we seek God, and as we seek Him, we turn from the wrong. The wrong thinking, the wrong speaking, the wrong doing. And we ask God to speak to us. This is how we seek God. 
when, when going to the Bible, we, we're not reading a recipe for success. But we are seeking God and wanting Him to speak to us. We're not looking for a formula. We, we tend to do that. We tend to look for a formula. You know, God, just give me A, B, C so I can get what I want out of this situation. Just lay it out there for me. We're not really looking for a recipe so life will turn out the way we want it to. We may be. But really what happens is God gives direct guidance to you and helps you right where you're at. And then as you learn to let Him shape your thoughts, speaking and doing, then life, life goes better for those who follow Him. We want His thoughts and guidance. That's what we're trying to get. We always have to remember, the, the Bible contains words on a page or words on a screen. I use mostly uh, Bibles on screens these days. But it, and it's easy to, to forget that these, these words are from God. This is God speaking to us. And so we need to keep that in mind. It's, it's easy to forget, but God consistently encourages and challenges and directs and guides through it. The word seek here in this passage says seek the Lord while he may be found. It has the connotation of seeking with care, a thorough investigation. We're, we're really trying to hear God. We're trying to see what God's saying. We're digging in. We talked a little bit about how to do that last week. You really want to see what's going on in the passage that, God, that you're reading. And you don't want to miss what God's trying to say to us. It's an important thing to do as you go to the Bible, as you read the Bible for yourself, as you come here on Sunday mornings. Ask God, God, would you speak to me? Would you, would you, would you open up my ears so that I can hear what you're saying to me through the Word today? Would, would you just talk to me? Our thinking and counsel should be filtered through the Bible. That's the other thing you understand. through this passage. God leads through it. He doesn't lead contrary to it. He will never contradict himself. So he's already said these things in the Word. He never contradicts himself. Another way we make the most of God's guidance through the Bible is by allowing his thoughts to shape our thoughts and opinions. Some of my best thoughts have been ruined as I've read the Scriptures. <laughs> I just had to, okay, that one's not good. <laughs> That's got to go. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. These verses give some incredibly helpful perspective. Not only does God think and act differently than us, but there's a major gap that separates the way we tend to think and the way we tend to live and the way God tends to think and the way God wants us to live and the way God responds and relates to us. Major gap. We, we can know God's thoughts. We, we can begin to bridge that gap as we get into Scripture. That's what the Bible is. It's, it's an authoritative source of knowledge for us on living. And our role is to allow God, through the Scriptures, to revise our thinking, to revise our thoughts and our opinions, and to be willing 
to lay those aside because he is the ultimate authority. Because the scripture is his word to us. It's, it's his guide that he's given us. And he is the one we follow. Uh, my thoughts have been shaped in many, many ways. As I get into scripture, they've been adjusted and revised. And um, One example is um, how I view trouble or trials. Early on in my walk with God, I viewed problems as, as an interruption in my life. I just, you know, I've got this thing. And I, when, I, when I got serious, I got serious about following God when I was freshman in college. I had decided to follow God earlier, but it's a long story. I really got serious about seeking Him through the Scriptures and trying to figure out how to know Him better as I was a freshman in college. And early on, I used to view trouble as something that I had to deal with and then I could get back to my walk with God. I could get back to my relationship with God. Sort of an interruption. So what I would do is I would, I would try to work through the trouble my, my old way and with my old strategies. Or I would just sort of, okay God, this is overwhelming. Just wait it out till it passed. And then get back to the Scriptures. But then, as you get into the Bible, it says some interesting things about trouble. (laughs) One of those is that we should count it all joy when we meet various trials. That never made sense to me. I didn't get that. I was like, what? You know, come on. Trials, trouble, it's an interruption. But what I've learned is, as, as I go through trial after trial, life is full of them, you know, life is life. Heaven is for later. God doesn't make heaven on earth for us as we decide to follow Him. That's for later. What He does is He helps us handle the trials that come along. And I've learned that they're not an interruption. They're actually God's training program for me. This is what God is using to develop His character in me. And while I I hate the trouble I go through, I, I really don't enjoy the trouble itself, I deeply value and appreciate and gain a lot of joy as I watch God work through the trouble to make me a different person on the other side of it. So I have a different view. It's not an interruption. This is actually God trying to teach me how to handle life. That, that's really helpful. It's, it's really helpful to, to learn to deal with things from God's vantage point, from His perspective. The final key to seeking guidance from God through the Scripture is to place our confidence in the Bible. We put our confidence in it. Look at Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. That goes out from my mouth. This again is God speaking. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here's what this passage is saying: If God says something, you can you. It's like planting a seed in the ground that is going to bear the fruit that it should bear. So we need to pay attention to what He's saying, because we can count on it coming to fruition. It is going to happen. And it's interesting. I've just read through a lot of the stories of the Old Testament. I just read through the, actually the whole Old Testament. Um, first half of the Bible. 
And what you see there is when the leaders, they would seek a word from God for guidance. And when God said something, the wise leaders, they did what he said. They, they acted accordingly. The foolish ones didn't. But the wise ones realized that when God speaks, it's not just like a man talking. It, there's this power to the Word of God that is going to bring forth the fruit that He wants to bear. You, you see that power in creation. God spoke and it came into being. This is, this is the power of the Word of God. This, this is what it is. This passage is saying that when God makes a promise, it's as good as done. It is going to happen. You, you, you see that God's word is virtually going to be accomplished. It is going to happen. Um, as you put yourself under the authority of God's word, and you begin to live, you let it revise your thinking and your speaking and your doing, and you begin to live in light of what God says in His Word, you experience the power of His Word. You experience this thing where it gets planted in you, and as you live it out and think it out, you begin to see the fruit of living in line with God's Word. For instance, God says pride comes before the fall. And I... I myself have learned that whenever I get proud and puffed up and start to get arrogant, I am, I am in trouble. Shh. The fall is coming. I've learned that. And so I, I get this healthy fear when I start sensing this puffing going on. You know, what happens on the freeway? You know, you judge somebody, what's going to happen next? Boom, you do the exact thing you were judging them for. It's happened to me a few times. And, boy, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, the fall never feels good, especially when your family's in the car. Yeah, it's just, just not, not that fun. And in more serious ways, I experienced the fall as well. And, in fact, we have a, we have a, um, we have a culture that values really values arrogance, self-assertive, I'm the best, I'm number one. And what you see, we can read this truth on the front pages of the newspaper. People puff themselves up, they think they're operating independently, they're not tied to the rules of everybody else, and poof, they go down. So I've learned that when God says something in his word, he, he, it's going to happen. It's not just the words of a man, it's it's the words of the one who put life together. He, he made life to work this way. It's the same with um, another pattern that the scriptures encourage, which is clearing up relationships. The Bible says to do everything you can to have a clear conscience with others. And if uh, you notice that you've offended someone or they've offended you, you, you really should drop everything and go seek forgiveness or give forgiveness, talk it out, and work through that trouble. Over time, I've seen this pattern. I haven't done it perfectly. But I've seen that since I've lived that pattern out, my relationships are, are growing. They're not shrinking down. They're not uh, dying. They're growing. And so I, this, this thing that, that Isaiah is saying here, it's really true. 
As you live the patterns of Scripture, you get it into your life, you find that what God says will happen. What He intends will come about. His words have power to provide what we need. Just like uh, a piece of fruit grows from a seed and it brings refreshment. This is, this is what God does to our lives. When we get God's word, His Word into our life, it adds tremendous stability to our life. And what's interesting is you, you, you read about what Jesus taught and the way He lived, and He Himself, Jesus, demonstrated the authority of God's Word as well. It's important to Him. Uh, here's something He said about Scripture. Matthew 5, 17 Uh, Through 19, we're going to read through 18 right now. Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Represents what we now call the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Here, Jesus affirms the scripture, putting his stamp of approval on every detail. What he means by um, iota is it's the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet. Here it is on the screen. That's an iota, kind of like an apostrophe. Um, When he mentions dot, a dot refers to the smallest mark. In the next picture, you see the dot would be the, you know, on the right, there's the full uh, mark on the left, and then there's a gap. I mean, on the right, there's a full mark. On the left, there's a gap. That would be a dot. Fill in the gaps. Sort of like the extension of a letter, like our P and R. The R is just has an extension on it. So, in other words, Jesus is saying, not will the smallest letter be erased, but even the smallest part of the letter matters in the Scripture. We need to be careful with this. Every letter, every chapter, every book matters. It's all important. And we should be careful when we read it. Verse 18 is a major statement that Jesus makes about his confidence in the authority and the reliability of Scripture. Look at how serious it is for Jesus. Look at verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does not, uh, whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. If we don't live with the same high view of the Bible that Jesus has, we're, we're, in a, we're just floating around on the ocean. We're in a sea of relativism. This, this is why, how we keep our bearings in our, our lives and in our culture, where nothing seems to be objective and absolute. Jesus stood on the Scripture, so should we. There's stability there. There's help. It can absolutely be trusted. Look at what the message says. This is, this is a paraphrase of that verse. We need to take this seriously. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law, and you will have only trivialized yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others, and you will find honor in the kingdom. Serious regret waits those when, who minimize or relax God's word for their own convenience, for their own purpose, uh, whatever it is, it, it lies there. So not only did Jesus teach the authority of the word, but he lived the scripture out as his reference point. 
Um, here are some examples. There are some examples in your listening guide of how Jesus relied on the Bible and how he used it as his reference point. He appealed to the word when his actions were questioned. They're religious leaders of his day. He was radical. And so they kept questioning him. He kept appealing to the scriptures, their scriptures, the Old Testament, to um, justify his actions. He used the word as a support for his teaching on marriage. You can check this out yourself on resurrection and on judgment. He, he referred back. He used the word to fight off the wrong ideas and temptations of Satan. Paul later picked up on this and he urged us to do the same thing in Ephesians 6. But Jesus, the, the Bible was his reference point. As he handled life, the Bible was his, his, his guide literally, for how to respond to what was going on in, in his life at the time. He knew the word. He affirmed it. He stood on it as a constant reference point for his life. And we need to do the same. The folks who are being baptized today are going to make a confession. Jesus is my Lord and the Bible is my guide. That's because those two things can't be separated. If you're going to follow Jesus, you follow his word. You do what scripture says. They're, they're, they go hand in hand. Um, we let the Bible judge us and shape our thinking and lifestyle. The next time you're trying to figure out what to do with a piece of life, part of your life, when you face a problem or a trial or trouble, go to the word. And, and as you go along, try to be soaking it in so that you're ready in the moment to understand what God would think and how God would respond or how he wants you to respond to that, to that thing that you're dealing with. If you're just starting out with your walk with God, uh, find someone who's walked with God for a long time and has soaked in the scripture who can help you figure out what he would say about that. If you don't know where to start, uh, we'd love to help you. Just jot a note on the passage. We give you some ideas about where to start with scripture. But what you'll find is Scripture is a tremendous help and there's this power to it. As you let it soak into your life and begin to live it, it bears fruit. The fruit that God says it will. So I encourage you to dig in. Make sure you go to the expert to, to deal with life, to handle the decisions that you face like to wrap up the message uh, by asking you to think through your next steps, if you would. I've given some suggestions. Actually, there's one suggestion today, and it has to do with getting a better grip on the Word of God. Um, and the suggestion is this. Uh, circle one or two of these ways that you need to use to get a better grip on God's Word. And we've listed those. There's an extra handout in the program that you can look at. And it's, it's titled, How to Get a Better Grip on God's Word. And I brought a Bible. I have a bunch of these, but I hardly ever use leather Bibles anymore. And like I said, I usually read it on a screen. It's quicker. Um, but um, I, I wanted to just walk through this illustration with you as we wrap things up this morning. Um, as you look at that handout, you can see uh, that these are ways that we get a better grip on the Word of God. Uh, one thing that we're encouraged to do in Scripture is to listen to God's Word, to hear it. 
as you hear it, the illustration goes like this. You, you don't have a very good grip on the word. You just, you just have a one-finger grip. It's kind of tough. You've got to balance the thing. It falls all over the place. If you hear it and read it, a little better grip. Still not the best. If you hear, read, and study it, you're getting a stronger grip. Hear, read, study, and memorize. Okay, look at that. Pretty good. If you hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate, now you've got a pretty good grasp on the Scripture. These are ways that you soak in the Scripture. Ways that you soak it in. And if we use all of them, we get a better grip. I've added apply, because that really gives you a firm grasp if you apply it on the Word of God. Uh, you can take that, that uh, handout with you and read through it. Uh, walk through those things one at a time if you'd like. Um, but we forget 80% of what we hear within 72 hours. We uh, remember only 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 70% of what we discuss with others. That's why life groups are so important. We, we remember more when we talk about these things. 80% of what we experience personally. Like, I, I was sharing some examples from my own life this morning about how I've lived the Word and I've realized, or I've let it change my thinking and I've realized that it bears fruit. If, if you begin to experience that, you're going to hang on to those things. So it's very important not to just get into the Word, but to actually take steps to live it out. We, we remember 95% of what we teach to somebody else. So as we're sharing what God's teaching us, it's going to stick. It really is. So I want to encourage you, circle one of those things that you really want to get better at, get a better grasp of the Scriptures through this morning. Also, Easter's coming up in two weeks. Ryan mentioned that earlier. This is a great opportunity to invite family and friends. And on the back of the connection card, you'll notice there's some blank space under um, the sign me up area in the middle of that section. Um, if there's some friends and family members who aren't plugged into church that you'd like to invite to Easter, write their names on there. Write their names and we'll begin to pray with you over the next couple of weeks for them that they'd come and get, get connected here uh, to what God's doing. But take a moment to write down their names of those that you want to invite and, and we'll be praying. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for... Uh, your word this morning that you used to speak to us. Pray that you'd really help us to uh, understand uh, more and more uh, about you as we get into your scriptures, as we soak it in, as we try to let it revise our thinking and thoughts and speaking and doing. Help us, God, to take steps that would bring honor to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.